Hello, and welcome to Mr. America, The Bearded Truth, covering political and social issues one liberty at a time, with entertaining insights of current events and important discussions on topics that affect us all, shining the torch of liberty and brightening the future by bringing libertarianism into our everyday life. And now, your host, the friendly neighborhood libertarian, Jason Lyon, Mr. America, The Bearded Truth, on Muddied Waters Media. Oh, baby, we're back. Friday, what a good Friday this is. Friday, the terrible tax day of April 15th, um, where, you know, every libertarian seems to be a little upset, seems to be a little irritated, and all for the right reasons. But today I've got, we're not talking taxes. I'm talking about something that will make you a little bit happier, hopefully. Uh, because the war on drugs... We've been fighting this for years, since the 70s, when it was actually declared as such. Um, but the war on cannabis itself, we're on the winning side of this, and we soon will. And with my guest today, William Henry, um, we will see some great successes, at least in Illinois. But we'll see this con uh, the conversation continue, and hopefully we'll be able to learn from Henry or William Henry today to be able to replicate what he's doing with the new 501c4. So we'll, we'll get into that conversation a little bit. Of course, as you guys heard, my name is Jason Lyon. I am Mr. America, the Beard of Truth. I am your neighborhood friendly libertarian talking to you about all things political. And on our show, we go topic-based where we cover one topic and allow for our amazing guests to come on, teach us about things, teach us about their practices, their experiences, and share with us their wisdom in order to help make an impact in our communities. Um, as I said, I've got an amazing guest today. But before we hop into that, we, of course, have to do some housekeeping. So first of all, thank you guys for listening, whether you guys are listening on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Float, wherever, however you're seeing this stream live. Thank you so much for being involved. Thank you for, for interacting in the comment section, for liking the videos, hearting the videos, whatever you're doing with the videos, positively interacting. We love you so much for that. Uh, but if you're catching this later or if you can't catch all the show now and want to catch us later, go ahead, find us on your favorite podcast app. Give us the five-star review. Help us out. Continue to support us. This um, this platform is made by you guys and all of your support, so we thank you so much for that. Also, thank you to Matt and Spike for continuing to give me a platform um, to air these things. Um, so they are always incredible. Um, if you guys want to help out the Muddy team, we just had the Muddy Zoom last night, and if you guys missed that, make sure you guys go check that out. Once a month, you get to hang out with Matt, Spike, myself when I get get able to nolik um you could join in with the muddy team you could get this you can get so much exclusive content you can get so many amazing things and you can support the team with a cost of a couple lattes a month so if you guys head on over to anchor.fm slash muddied water slash subscribe you guys can be a part of the exclusive group getting exclusive content getting in on those muddy zooms get to tell your jokes to spike and matt and and whoever else is on there you get to be a part of the community what better what better reason than that uh, than to head on over to anchor.fm slash muddywaters slash subscribe. I uh, want to give a big shout out and a thank you to one of our sponsors, Kelsey Lion Designs. If you're running a campaign, if you're starting a business, if you're having a wedding or just having a, a little get together, whatever you're looking to do, if you want to make it better, 
you got to reach out to Kelsey Lion Design. She's going to help you with logos. She's going to help you with your brand. She's going to get you business cards. She'll set up web design. She does it all. So make sure you guys head on over to Kelsey Lion Designs. Be a part of the hundreds or millions or trillions. I don't know how many customers she's had. Be a part of the community that has seen her work and be one of the proud people to say that some of her work is your own. Some of the people out there are Spike Cohen, Joe Jorgensen, um, Natalie Bruno running for governor. Uh, the list goes on and on of great libertarians who've used her already. So be a part of the crew. Head on over to KelseyLionDesigns.com. Use the code MUDDIEDWATERS. You'll get 10% off. You won't regret that decision. Now, without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on our amazing guest. This is a this is a guy who, um, when I heard about his act, he's a veteran like myself. Um, when I heard about the things that he's been able to achieve, I knew that I needed to have him on. I've heard nothing but great things about him, and I can't wait to hear the great things from him today. Uh, please welcome with me my guest, Mr. William Henry. How's it going today? Thank you so much for having me on today, Jason, and from the wonderful state of Indiana, Thank you so much. And we're going to do so much here, I think, uh, over the next couple months uh, that are going to make a real impact um, in advocacy and activism across the state. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just a really exciting time, I think, right now to be in activism and uh, especially like the Libertarian Party and, and as much movement as we're getting and, and as much attention and credibility as we're building yes. as a political organization, too. Um, that's being seen uh, across the board uh, in many sectors. Yeah, no, it's so exciting to be a part of this movement. Um, and I think we'll dive into this a little bit later. But but we came from the party started right after the war on drugs began. And through our efforts, it wasn't because of Republicans. It wasn't because of Democrats. It was because of our ideas and us sharing them that we've been able to see some of those Republicans and Democrats take our ter our good ideas, make them terrible, and implement government programs. Um, but it's it's because of our values, our virtues, that have been able to make that happen. So activists like you, of course, and activists around the country continuing to stand up in the face of, of, of authority and tyranny has been able to make this possible. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited to, to learn from you uh, – all the wisdom that you've had um because i know that that list uh, <laughs> the list that you have on just illinois uh lp bio just doesn't do you justice for everything that you've done but i want to hear from you on on kind of where you started out how you got to where you are today um let us get to know you a little bit sure yeah i uh grew up in central indiana um uh, raised a, a family, joined the military, uh, went off, um, and, you know, I, I joined the National Guard, and it was supposed to be one weekend a month, two weeks a year, uh, but it was during the ramp-up, and a lot of folks in the reserve component during that time uh, know that, you know, it was deployment after deployment that a lot of people were seeing, and, you know, when that all first started, you know, after 9-11, uh, a lot of folks were deploying 15 months and then they cut it down to 12 months and then some, you know, branches deploy for six months at a time and it just depended. But there was so much action happening, not only overseas, but it, there was happening here in the, you know, in the state of Indiana, um, worked at the Joint Force headquarters with the, um, 
Indiana National Guard, and we worked directly with the governor's office, and we did a lot of state uh, emergencies and and those type of things. So if a tornado happened, you know, National Guardsmen would be deployed out and help clean up and help, you know, straighten out uh, some of these areas that have been devastated by those impacts, so Mm -hmm. natural weather, um, floods, you know, and those type of things, and then deployed overseas uh, a couple times, uh, reported, uh, you know, I, I was a journalist. So everywhere I went, I took photos and I was talking to folks and learning about what we were doing uh, in all capacities. So I, I got a great operational kind of overview of what we were doing overseas and, and really at the headquarters level of the state, um, as far as the National Guard and the reserve component goes and working directly with the governor's office. So I got a great education in, you know, uh, how the government works and how the National Guard works uh, uh, with the governor and, and their office during these emergency situations, too. And, you know, over the last couple of years, that's come in really handy to, to kind of understand uh, how all of this kind of ramped up. And we are where we are now through these yeah. legislative changes that have happened since 9-11. Um, and giving the executive branch a lot of these powers that they have now, um, but using the National Guard in these capacities like they have uh, in the injection sites and testing sites and inside the prisons and the long-term care facilities and some of these other places where these folks have been deployed, we've we've seen uh, this emergency action and uh, how they've utilized the National Guard during this um, really it's been a giant exercise uh, over the last couple of years um, a global exercise and we've seen that and a failure. Yeah. yeah it's really interesting because like when i look at so many veterans who served in afghanistan served in iraq served in the middle east since 9 11 really so many of us come out of the military and we go i see how the government functions i see how the government works now I've got so many gears turning of just spitting out all these questions of, is this who we really are trusting? And it's, it's, it's interesting for me because I see so many veterans that have been quote unquote red pilled or turning towards the libertarianism, not, not red pilled as in like, you know, Republicanism, but red pilled as in like small government. And, and I think that that distinction is very important. And so it's, it's incredible that, you know, from your perspective, and and as you said, you know, being a journalist, you got to see kind of everything get laid out. And so you get to see the blueprints of things. You get to have those, those higher level conversations than say um, a a grunt or, uh, you know, uh, somebody in infantry. So you get to see all that stuff, and then you come out and you go, I've got the blueprints now. I know how they function. I know how they work. Is that kind of what turned you into a libertarian activist on on some of these issues? Um, Once I got out of the military, I came back uh, from my second deployment. I started to transition out of the military and um, started working with the American Legion. It's a veteran service organization uh, here in the state. So I worked communications, I took my skills and I moved them over to the veterans realm and I started working comms and uh, revamped the whole communications for the the state uh, organization and then really got all of the, you know, emails and stuff online, got us, you know, web compatible, mobile compatible on the web and some of these other things and um, really got to accomplish a lot. And then they offered me an administrative position after that. I said, hey, you know, you did so well at, at this. Why don't we try to move you into the administrative portion? I was like, okay. Started learning about more organizational structure, constitutions and, and bylaws of organizations like the American Legion 
and 501c19 and the differences between the not-for-profit organizations. So I got a real good education and a, and, uh, a real practical education on what uh, the not-for-profit sector, especially the veterans realm, and some of those uh, regulations and laws and everything that, that surround a lot of that stuff. But again, it, it led me directly into the advocacy realm where I was working at the state house and trying to convey what the veterans needed to the legislators and yeah. trying to get that message across as an advocate uh, at the administrative level after I moved uh, out of the communications realm and it started doing more managing and leading. And I was, ma- I was able to bind the, the four largest veteran service organizations together, uh, the American Legion, the VFW, the DAV, and the uh, AMVETS, and really push these initiatives forward. So we all got together and we said, hey, what's our biggest you know, issues? Let's make a list of all the things that we agree on that veterans need in the state, and let's use you know, our organizations to convey that to the legislators and try to get some influence in there and get some changes made. Yeah. And it was very effective uh, what we did and, and the way that I was able to coordinate that. And we, we went in and it was, uh, I mean, we just got success after success after success in a lot of these uh, bills. And, you know, the first year, 13 bills, and then the next year, 12 bills, and, and so on and so on. So there for a few years, we had a great number of bills passed or, or even stopped, the bad ones, um, where this team was working together as advocates in the state house, and, and we and I learned a lot during that, and I also, you know, got to know a lot of the legislators who were helping us uh, author that legislation and, and working with us uh, to get it passed. And and one of those issues, because during the time, uh, was cannabis and uh, opioids and benzodiazepines were being heavily prescribed in the in the VA. Um, so the Veterans Health Administration um, was responsible for a lot of addictions and a lot of deaths that, that happened uh, because of the overprescribing and, and some of these uh, ideas of just medicating the problem away rather than and working through the problems and getting that counseling and, and that, uh, those things that, to get to the core of what was, what was wrong with these individuals instead of just masking it with, with drugs. And, um, you know, and veterans wanted a safer you know, a safer route. So after working with the, at the assistant adjutant uh, level for the administration, I moved to be the department adjutant and I was uh, leading the state administration for the American Legion Department of Indiana. There was 370 posts here in the state of Indiana. We also co-locate the national headquarters. So we're a very big active uh, American Legion state. Um, And uh, so we we are just i mean every single county uh, there's legion posts in the state of indiana um but That's we worked awesome. with all of these organizations and pushed those initiatives forward and and really made a difference over those few years in the state house and as adjutant um i was also given some paperwork that revealed corruption and fraud waste and abuse uh within the Indiana Department of Veterans Affairs. And and these weren't just people who were in an office somewhere. These were my colleagues and these were the people who I worked with day to day. And these were my peers, you know, and, and to, to hear some of the stuff that was happening um, and then, then to receive paperwork that I, you know, was moving forward to, to take to the inspector general's office when the American Legion uh, asked me to resign my position uh, under duress. And it was uh, under the suspicion that maybe I didn't know what I was talking about or they were worried that I was going after this individual. Uh, I don't know what, what it was, but they asked me to resign. And, and it, you know, I, 
lost my head over that. But yeah. the people who leaked those items leaked about 700 more pages to me. And in that process, I copied every single one of those pages and I went through and I uh, earmarked with investigative reporters uh, on the print side and video side uh, exactly all the deficiencies that were uh, outlined in those. So wow. I showed them uh, federal code and Indiana code that had been violated. And we worked on a, a, a lengthy story to uh, do story after story after story on each of these individual deficiencies. Um, and the inspector general's office, I delivered those to the inspector general's office. They refused to put my name down as part of the investigation. Um, the, I, I, we were a contractor of the state. The state refused to let me sue them over uh, the, having to resign my position. Um, but the, the, what came out of that was a lot of education on my part and what people have to go through to call the government out on corruption and fraud, waste, yes. and abuse. And I learned uh, a lot in that process and um, I you know and that's really why I want to help advocate and, and activate against some of these things that have been happening in the state so after I left the legion um, in the state I started working with Indiana Normal more closely and be, you know I became uh, a board member after that with Indiana Normal organization and the Indiana Normal Organization and the Normal Organization all together came about around the same time the Libertarian Party did. And, and they, they arose because of what was happening uh, across the board. And, and, and people were seeing those constitutional violations happening. Uh, and they wanted to rise up some of these organizations to educate and push back against uh, some of the stuff. So Normal was born out of that, too, around the same time. Mm -hmm. And it, it was primarily focused on changing marijuana laws and uh, getting legalization back. Um, so I think uh, to the so when you were when you were talking, right, we were talking about like the VA and how they were prescribing a lot of. Of prescription pills and, and certainly when I went through and was seeking treatment through the VA that was kind of was their thing they were just like either here's some some meds that aren't going to help you or here's some meds that are tester meds we'll see see how well this is going to work out for you and it's like well that one went poorly they're like well here's another tester med um so I think that really really speaks to this issue that we have kind of as a healthcare system especially for the veteran side and and we see that also for the for the regular i guess the the civilian sector uh for healthcare as well um where we're over prescribing rather than looking at kind of a safer um alternative on this front and so you know leading into your your conversation point there at the end of like moving into the the cannabis uh legislation and everything else i thought it was really i thought it was horrific the way that you had described that that you know you had found when you worked at the legion you had had some people that were exposed and they were like well we gotta chop his head off because we can't expose this and i think that when we look at this um from an overarching view from thirty thousand feet we look at the the topic of of cannabis laws and drug war on drugs and we see how much police are involved they can't speak out because they kind of get the same treatment if if you speak out against your superiors or you speak out against your colleagues um we've we've seen so many countless reports where people get getting their polit or their their um their career heads chopped off right right there uh, right then and there so so it's an incredible difficult thing for for just the average person to to be able to withstand one something like that it's 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 daunting to go up against the monolithic government that we have um but you 
you told me that you guys had just started up a 50C, uh, 501c4 in the state of Indiana. So you guys were approved by the by the government to open this. Go ahead, tell us a yeah. little bit about that as well. Yeah, um, and that's where I want to take these experiences and, and try to t- apply them and help others uh, who have went through some of these situations too. Um, Liberty Offense uh, Inc. is uh, an organization that we just started, uh, Elizabeth Coquillard and, and myself. Um, we're part of this organization, and what it basically focuses on is um, a lot of things. Um we do we do coordination for rallies and uh, initiatives and, and getting the public involved uh, with a lot of the stuff that's going on. So we work with other organizations to try to plan uh, initiatives and plan these campaigns to where uh, people can um, actively come out. And, and we're basically the conduit and trying to get more organizations and assemblies to happen. Um, over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, um, a lot of effect on the assembly that that's that was happening before COVID happened. And there were a lot of rallies and there were a lot of people who were very active. Um, and it seemed after some of these mandates came out, uh, a lot of people were less, you know, likely to come out and, and they kind of, and there wasn't the ability to advertise uh, a lot of those that were happening too. Um, you know, there was the, the social media was blocking a lot of the, the communications and stuff that was happening and people were outside of their uh, public meetings and stuff and they couldn't get into their public meetings. So an organization like Liberty Offense would be able to take the offensive approach and be able to uh, kind of push back during these mandated times uh, on some of these agencies who are overstepping our constitutional rights, even if it's executively ordered. Um, there needs to be an organization or an agency or someone to be able to call out uh, this stuff and to be able to show the public the blatant disrespect and disregard to the Constitution that's happening during some of this stuff. So we really want to focus on and organizing and working with other organizations for rallies and functions like that. But like what I was just talking about, exposing corruption and fraud yes. and waste and abuse is another branch of that. And it's helping people go through that process. And on our uh, website, libertyoffense.org, you can go there now, there's a portal right on the front page, and that's the ability to kind of upload some documents, maybe, if you're unsure, uh, maybe the inspector general is not going to give you a good review, or you have information that you want it reviewed, uh, we have investigators that can take a look at this and and find the legitimacy uh, in that and contact these folks back and do an investigation and, and be able to look into these issues. And then bring that to the government agency to hold their feet to the fire and because we have the same information that they do so we basically push them to do the right thing and and conduct their investigations in the right way and we're policing the government in that fashion and we're making sure that the government is being governed the way that it should be and you know we should be able to look at a lot of these uh, things that are going on and be able to know how to uh, assemble and push back on some of this stuff. Uh, For example, um, there was a a restaurant here in the state of Indiana that was shut down um, by the Department of Health during the mandated uh, shutdown portion of time. They said that they, because they weren't um, uh, complying with whatever the mandates were at the time. Yeah. Well, that affected the business, that affected their money, that affected their income, and there was real no, there was really no 
proof what was happening was uh, at the extent of what the government was was saying it was and and they used this agency to go after this private business and try to affect their business uh, when they didn't really have the constitutional right to do so so an organization like ours would help work with other organizations to coordinate uh, a call uh, you know so people can have a call session, a letter session, a sit-in, go visit the, these folks at their offices. And a lot of times when we're advocating, we are advocating to the legislative branch. And people forget there's two other branches yep. uh, working and operating 24-7 outside the legislative branch. There's the executive branch and there's the judicial branch. The executive branch executes all the laws that are written by the legislators. So they're supposed to execute, but they also have discretion and they also have administrative policy that they can change and they can affect too. Um, but now um, the executive branch has been given legislative, uh, basically the one branch has, the legislative branches have gifted their uh, authority or, or ability over to the executive branch during these uh, emergency orders. So uh, just that alone, just that they have lent their powers to another another branch should be deemed unconstitutional yes. to begin with, and they should not have that ability and it should be taken away. Um, but to challenge that, you you also have the courts to, uh, you have to be able to convince the courts that this is uncon or, you know, get it seen by the courts and heard by the courts. Well, when the judges are part of that majority in a lot of these cases, and um, they're not going to push back uh, against the legislative or branch or the executive branch, even uh, on some of this stuff um, yeah. because they're it's party line. Exactly. And, and that's, it's, it speaks to one of the issues that we we face when we when we talk about the cannabis war going on is that there was never a constitutionality to to this idea and they just kind of created it on their own. Uh, we had the prohibition era, uh, you know, we had those two amendments to enact the prohibition of alcohol, and then they were like, well, "This is a terrible idea. We're going to take that away." But they could just do this for for plants and for drugs and and you know prevent medicinal studies and everything else on this so there's 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 a lot of of constitutionality there that that people you know you bring this up to somebody who considers themselves a constitutionalist and they're like no nah, I, I don't see an issue with it it's like you have to find these powers delegated to that branch to be able to do those things and 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 i i've i've made that argument so many times about you know what you were talking about how the legislative branch is delegating its powers to the executive branch. And, and so the executive branch does whatever it wants, or there's no checks and balances from the judicial branch on, on things that they kind of agree with. We we've seen where, um, at least at the federal level where the Supreme court goes, well, we feel this way right now. So we're just going to make this justification, you know, Korematsu versus United States is probably one of the more egregious ones that a lot of people want to point to, um, where, for anyone who hasn't been followed or who didn't see that court case, that was the justification of interning people based on their country of origin uh, during uh, during the World Wars, and so World War Two specifically. So, so if you're a Japanese, you could be interned. Supreme Court is like, that's nah, fine. We we feel this way strong enough. We can do this with without any kind of a, a justification there. Um, but so your organization is not only about activism, getting advocates out there speaking on issues, but it's also is the watchdog aspect. And I think that that's one of the most important aspects um, that we really need to see more people in communities across the country in different states and different localities 
coming together band just like what you're talking about um with liberty offense of working with other uh community leaders to help build coalitions to help keep government to even the limits that they say that they have even if those things aren't constitutional push back on the things that are unconstitutional but also hold them to the standards that they have i think that this is incredible um so you, you just started this recently correct yeah and and i don't know of any other organization that like this uh, yeah. or you know and we're you know we're unique and we really have an opportunity to uh get out there and really make a difference especially starting here in the state of indiana um, the organization has already planned uh, a number of events we worked with the, the truckers uh for a trucker rally at the state house uh, just a couple of weeks ago um we're we're working with the libertarian party of indiana we're working with the indiana normal organization and a number of other organizations that have to do with like medical freedom and and some of these other things that are liberty minded and it's nonpartisan it it doesn't have to be uh uh it could be from any party it could be from any issue as long as it's you know constitutionally focused or it's calling out some corruption or it's calling out people in the government doing bad stuff that we can really um, make an example out of them because a lot of these white collar folks they don't get examples made out of them and we really need to stick it to them either using the media and just blast 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 and they have no career after that i mean that's just as as good as uh finding them or whatever the government's going to do to them anyway um i think that that we can really start to go after some of these corrupt individuals some of these corrupt uh, organizations and agencies and really uh you know pull the plug on all of of the dumb stuff that's happening in the united states altogether yeah no absolutely i think that that's that's incredible that you had mentioned the fines though because i i think of the meme that just recently went around and it was just like you know a meme is just making something legal but it just comes with a fee um and and so in that way if we're if we are finding corruption we're not holding corruption accountable we're not stopping corruption from happening we're just saying no don't do that um you through these corruption efforts we've seen where people are making thousands tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars um and then you find them for fifty thousand dollars and it's like he's not hurting by this you you took took a little slice off of the top and and there's there's no stopping this so that's why i think that what you guys are doing there of of actually trying to hold people accountable trying to end the careers of people who are corrupt um because when you raise these issues in in the public sphere um we there's the conversation that a lot of people are having around is cancel culture good and i think that when we are lopping the heads off of corrupt tyrannical uh monsters in government um there's no way to look at that but it's in a better way it's it's the only way that we can progress forward that government can can be reined in for what they're Mm. supposed to be doing and we can find out if they're actually vital at that point and and you know for the anarchist and me can we can we get rid of that department could we could we move to uh to better society you know or less than that department or shrink government like at some point and that's the compromise with a lot of the the cannabis legalization stuff because they're they're in, they're incurring so much fees and fines on on people uh, who are getting arrested for small amounts you know simple possession of cannabis 
uh, here in the state of Indiana, uh, I think the last time that we had inquired, because it was a couple of years ago, 25,000 arrests a year just for simple possession of cannabis, no other charges. So, I mean, you think of the people who have scales with them, that's dealing extra, that's tack on charges. If they had the a carry permit and had a pistol with them and they had cannabis too, well, yeah. guess what? You've got new charges on that too. And those are the up trumping charges, you know, that they do, they, they tear it up. But just the simple possession charges alone were 25,000 in the state of Indiana, and, and they spent $350 million enforcing that, uh, which is comes from those fines and fees, and then those fines and fees pay for the housing for these individuals to be in these county jails and things like that. So the county, the county courthouses have become a, a fee and fines collection point. Yes. And it's a taxing process that's happening that people don't even realize is happening. So all of those fees and fines go into the courthouse. That money gets remitted back to the state. And then the county gets their share of the money that they have collected on these state-related fees and fines back to the county to be allocated. So they're rewarded by this function uh, happening uh, inside the courthouses from the state based on these charges uh, that are state charges, fees, and fine-based. So a lot of people don't understand that this function's happening and it's it's a it's a fee and fine tax collection happening yes. they're using the judicial system as a taxation which is that shouldn't be happening either but we're doing it um right now as we speak when people get you know pulled over for a simple thing like a headlight and they didn't get a warning they got a ticket now they got to go pay that well that money goes comes right back to the county in some form by the state uh if it's a violation of indiana code so uh, that that function is is happening, and we're using our courthouses for this, uh, and especially in the realm of cannabis, we're attacking our own communities. We're yes. hurting people in our own communities, uh, trying to self-medicate and use a substance that is completely legal in the states around us. So Michigan, Illinois, Ohio has a medical program, and the Kentucky governor was trying to, uh, there was talks of executive action, maybe, that he's trying to, to push uh, to get some sort of legalization happening there. No, we're completely surrounded by states, uh, and we have a, a robust uh, 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 you know, CBD hemp program here in the state of Indiana, too. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of uh, folks who consume, consume Delta 9, Delta 8, Delta 10, those conversion THCs, and some of these other substances that are state legal and federally legal to consume. Um, and they contain THC, and they will make you test positive for uh, yep. for for THC on a urine screen. Um, and that's where the organ, where, you know, we want to, in the organization, focus on those administrative functions like that, where people are getting in trouble for uh, THC in a, in a urine screen that they have when they have a legal right by the state and the federal government uh, to consume THC outside of any permission of any doctor or anything. It's, it's a completely supplementary uh, product that these people are able to consume, but yet they're being penalized by uh, the executive branch, the, the Department of Child Services and these other places are taking kids away from people who are testing positive for THC. Um, people on parole and probation are getting extra parole and probation time and more fees and fines and classes that they have to do because they're testing positive for this THC. But what the what these folks don't understand uh, is they have a legal right to consume that THC. And yeah. that hasn't been 
contested yet here in the state. And I really uh, am coordinating, um, pushing that initiative across the finish line and getting a lot of these judicial, uh, these, these courthouses to stop testing for THC altogether and stop penalizing folks. Uh, because it's, it's a fee and fines process that's happening. And the more that we show the public that, uh, the more that we expose what they're doing and how the corrupt and uh, extorting this process really is. And it will force them to, to change their policies and change their ways. Yes, that's that's incredible. You know, just breaking that down for somebody. And, and oftentimes I think that one of the most common arguments that we have to face when we talk about ending this is when we go... People are self-medicating, right? This is something that helps with a lot of things for people with anxiety, depression, for uh, stomach issues, for for a litany of things, uh, seizures, etc. Um, the first thing that people want to retort with is, but they're not all good people. But they're all not doing this for medicinal reasons. They're doing this for recreational reasons. They're doing this for... And, and, I, I think that I'm going to push this off to you to, to, to address that because I, I'm so excited to hear that. But, you know, what do you say when you have pushback like that, that, that these people who are smoking, smoking the devil's lettuce, they're, they're doing this just because it's illegal and they're just criminals and they, they don't care what happens. Well, people are going to do what people want to do anyway, regardless of the law. And we've seen that across the board with many different things from firearms to drugs. And we know that a law isn't going to stop someone from consuming a substance that they want to consume. And we've seen that in the war on drugs, the drugs is absolutely winning right now. There's no doubt that, that, you know, but people have to understand that, um, there's a lot of education that we haven't been given about cannabis too. And that's why I've been working with organizations like Indiana normal. Um, and you can go to Indiana normal dot, uh, org and, and check that out too. It's N O R M L, uh, Indiana normal.org. And what we do is we're primarily educational and we, we teach people about the human endocannabinoid system and why we're attracted to this plant and the nutrition that actually comes with that and the supplemental uh, uh, gains that, that we get uh, in our bodies from consuming this, this uh, plant. And um, the human endocannabinoid system is an overall regulatory system that controls everything. Mm -hmm. But it's being ignored by uh, modern science. It's being ignored by modern doctors and, and some of these individuals in the pharmacology because they don't want to admit that cannabis can absolutely help people with endocannabinoid deficiencies. And endocannabinoid deficiencies they're finding now are maybe the root of a lot of these diseases and these problems happening because um, we're not consuming enough cannabinoids or our body is deficient, our endo inside our body cannabinoids are not being produced right so we have to use plant or phyto cannabinoids to supplement that and the plant actually has caloric value it has micronutrients it's very nutritional you can eat the whole plant and survive on the whole plant it you wow. it's literally food cannabis is food first and a lot of people don't realize that and that's why the usda can't you know, exclusively attack it and things like that, because it, it's absolutely nutritional and it's been proven nutritional. The seed, um, you know, it, it, the oils from the seed, the plant material itself is all edible and you don't, and you have to decarb it to actually get the effect of, of THC. So if you just juice or eat raw plant material, you're not getting high 
doing that. You're supplementing your body uh, with phytocannabinoids and what your body doesn't use, it simply flushes out or stores for later. So we, and that's why there's no, um, that's also why there's no uh, withdrawal symptoms from cannabis either, because it stores in your fat and slowly depletes over time. And once it's worn out, you know, you don't have that, that shock of not having it in your body, but our bodies are using cannabinoids every day in our endocannabinoid system, which regulates every single function of our body. And that's the science not being shown or taught to everyone. And we're teaching legislators, we're trying to teach the judicial branch and these executive branches about the real science that's been conducted behind this, that's been ignored for decades and decades and decades. And now we're getting to the point, you know, they can't deny this anymore. They can't bury their head in the sand anymore, because we're all over them. We're everywhere now. And the organization is growing. Um, you know, memberships are growing. And we have a lot of commonality with a lot of other organizations. And there's a lot of intermingling happening between the Libertarian Party and the Indian and Normal, and, you know, Liberty Offense, and a lot of these organizations coming together now, um, and really in pushing initiatives together. That's amazing. That's a uh, phenomenal uh, in-depth knowledge on that, that I, I'm going to definitely go back and watch a couple times over, yeah, make sure if, I don't miss if it. You go, yeah, if you go to our website, we have a lot of informational, uh, in, you know, educational information on the website that you can check out and read about the human endocannabinoid system and um, plenty of uh, research information. And, and you can even go to the NIH and, and federal government's research website and, and read some of these uh, uh, re- research uh, research that have been conducted, these studies that have been conducted yeah. and see all of the benefits and the thousands and thousands of reports that are even in our U S government's, uh, databases. It's, it's incredible. I know like for, for me and a personal experience I had with one doctor, um, it was, a uh, surrounding PTSD after, after getting out of the military. So it was a VA doctor talking about PTSD and it was like well we want to put you on another antidepressant we want to put you on anxiety medications everything else and I was like would you be upset if I just started medicating and he was like it's illegal in the state I was like so would you be upset if I started self-medicating and he was just like I wouldn't blame you (laughs) like some doctors are waking up to it. They can't encourage it because of the laws and because the, they would be seen as the corrupt person uh, and to have their head ripped off. Um, but I think doctors are are waking up to it. I, I think that, you know, as our communities, as, as organizations like yours, as you guys continue to push that conversation to the forefront, you make it to where they can't deny that it's existing. It's not they can't deny the science behind it and everything else that we are so much closer to winning the culture war, the political war, and, and hopefully the medical war as a result of this. It's, it's an, it's insane. I'm so excited for it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we're really moving things forward and I think things are really changing and and the organization has made great strides here in the state. We work with a number of people who, who are in the medical community, who have written reports about uh, cannabinoids and the human endocannabinoid system here in the state. And we have a great team. Of, we've got lawyers on our team. We've got, you know, we've got all types of people who have been working with our organization too. And we've got great support across uh, all the communities in the state. And, um, you know, the prosecutor in Marion County, where Indianapolis is, uh, our organization worked with him as he was transitioning into his position, and uh, he decriminalized 
um, through his own prosecutorial discretion, two ounces uh, or less, that he said that he is not going to prosecute anyone uh, who's accused of possession of two ounces or less, who's an adult, um, you know, not doing anything. So uh, he he effectively was able to decriminalize in Marion County and the state government, you know, they went after him trying to take after take away those prosecutorial discretions that were given to them uh, through Indiana Code. So they were trying to change that law so they could, you know, uh, allow the attorney general to go after some of these prosecutors who supposedly weren't doing their job or holding these people accountable to some of these smaller offenses that they just simply don't have the resources to handle. And, and, yeah. and he's like, look, we've got real crimes happening here in the city. We've got people being murdered. We have people, you know, being raped. We have kids being hurt. We need to go after these real criminals. We don't have this kind of resources anymore. It's stupid. Um, it, it, it really it changed the way that a lot of people uh, thought about cannabis too. It's seen uh, this leader kind of take that approach, and then um, the city county council uh, supported him with a, a resolution in that endeavor too. So he got wow. support from the city county council as well. Um, so that was uh, really a breakthrough uh, happening that, you know, the Indiana Normal Organization and, and those volunteers within our, our ranks help make happen and help, you know, coordinate that working with uh, our public officials. So we want more of that. We want to work with the prosecutors. We want to work the sheriffs. We want to work with these uh, judges and, and see more citations rather than jailing or at least minimizing some of these uh, things uh, around the state that we can effectively do, uh, at least administratively or at the discretion of some of these in the, in the law enforcement community. That's incredible. I I think that that may be the first instance of, of seeing kind of a, a sanctuary county when it comes to marijuana. Um, I think that that's incredible. When, when we're having the national conversations around sanctuary states and, and municipalities for immigrants, when we were talking about it for um, some of the red states, we're talking about second uh, sanctuary states for the Second Amendment. Um, I I never thought about having that for specific aspects of the war on drug, and I think that I think that that's an incredible movement forward. And, and like you were saying, like that causes people to shift gears and go now i actually have to think about why it should be why it should be wrong why it should be illegal and and when you to use your your 501c4 to put liberty on the offense and to go now you have to you have to defend why this exists you'll see people get stumped over and over again when you come through with the information that you've provided and, and so much more from your website they're stumped they're they're stuck I think that yeah. people need to look at you and your organization and what you guys are doing and replicate this in every single state. Absolutely. And I think that if more organizations uh, were like this and, and took the offensive approach and really uh, it stood up and, and went for uh, some of these violations uh, and really eliminated some of this stuff, uh, we would have a lot less problems. And we've seen a lot of the organizations over the years now um, kind of dwindle. Uh, some of these who had real influence, like I was telling you about the Legion and some of these other organizations who really spoke for people. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of that happening nowadays because of the assembly attack and some of these other things that, that have been going on over the last couple of years. And we really want to bring the that organizational structure and, and ability back and bring bring those people back together on some of these fronts and really get these initiatives uh, 
in the community moving forward um, and really get as many people on board as we can to, to really make an impact. And, and I think that we can do that and people are ready for, for the mechanism for that to happen. It, it just, it, everybody's been waiting. And what do I do? How do I do it? Yes. Well, now we're going to show you how we do it. Now we're going to help organize that. And now we're going to help really get things changed uh, here in the state and, and hopefully throughout the United States altogether. That's incredible. Uh, so I, I see that we're, we're coming up 10 minutes left um, for the show, but I, I, with, I think that that's a perfect spot for this. Where can we find you? Where is everything? Uh, how do we find William Henry, his roadmap to success on this? Go ahead, plug all of your websites, all of your organizations, everything that you've been doing. Go ahead, plug everything. Well, you can. Well, you can find me, uh, and, and I've got my hands in a lot of stuff right now. Like I've been talking, you know, I've got the Liberty Offense. You can go to libertyoffense.org. Um, we've got Indiana Normal. You can go to indiananormal.org. Um, you can, uh, Libertarian Party of Indiana, I've been working uh, very closely with them, um, and, you know, and they're they're helping out a whole lot. You go to lpin.org. Um, you know, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm across, you know, all of those platforms, you can find me there. Um, really, it, it, we've got these events coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Um, we've got the 420 event, and Ryan Mears uh, in Indianapolis will be at American Legion Post 34 in Indianapolis on 420. Ryan Mears, the county prosecutor uh, is scheduled to speak and be there some state uh, past state senators and maybe some other elected officials will be there um, but it is a veterans 420 anodyne party and anodyne uh, means self-treatment so uh, there'll be some folks partaking there at a legion post uh, outside and you know at the venue hopefully we have good weather uh, for 420 to be uh, outside but if not you know there's it's family friendly atmosphere it's a family friendly post with a cannabis friendly atmosphere and uh, a lot of i hosted an event there on new year's eve where um you know try to bring people in and raise money for hoosier veterans assistance foundation which is a homeless veterans uh, organization in indianapolis raise money for them uh, raffling off cannabis related products and they're a very pro cannabis uh, post they know uh, that this benefits uh, veterans and they're very supportive and the state of indiana our legion you know passed a resolution in support of that too, and we work with the other organizations to do the same too. Uh, but we've got that event coming up on 420, and then uh, there's a, you know, I'm I'm currently facing uh, possession charges right now in Morgan County, the county just south of Marion County, and um, you know there is a pretrial rally being coordinated uh, for that event on um, Thursday, April 28th. And that event is focused around medical freedom aspect of cannabis. So there'll be a rally there at the at the courthouse that day um, that's being coordinated. And, um, you know, it's since it's my case, uh, I've recused myself uh, from any coordinations that are taking place. But I'll attend uh, and, and be there in support of whatever is coordinated. So... Uh, we'll see what happens that day. We'll see all, who all comes out. We've got uh, Indiana Normal and LPIN also working to help us advertise and host that event. And I think it'll be a great success. We just need a lot of people to come out and support. And, you know, I think a lot of people will. That's incredible. I, I It sucks to see that you have to put your skin in the game in that way. I know like it wasn't intentional, but I think that being able to, to take this opportunity to have 
organizations that you've worked with um, in the past come together to create these rallies to, you know, help educate people who haven't really seen this a lot? Because we, of course, are not the quote unquote normies that, you know, are, are dealing everyday life the same as everyone else. We get involved, we get engaged, we get educated and we, we take to activism. Um, so I think it's going to be incredible to see how that plays out in your case of being able to have those conversations and doing everything you're doing. Oh, yeah. And my case, there's nothing special about my case. It's just like everybody else's case where they get, you know, lifted uh, for, you know, whatever they're suspected for uh, possessing. And uh, they have to, to go through those processes uh, through the judicial system because of that. Um, and going through that and, and learning that and understanding that, too, you know, I asked for a jury trial and they granted me the jury trial without uh, – um, I didn't even have a lawyer at the time, uh, but they granted me the jury trial, expecting me to go in pro se, I guess. But um, <laughs> the thing is that the the lawyer I have has been practicing for a long time, and he's never had a misdemeanor possession uh, jury trial in the state. Um, and he's had, you know, I think he said over a hundred jury cases that he is, and he's one of the major uh, defenders here in the state uh, for for possession. And uh, over those many years that he's practiced, you know, in all the jury trials, he's never seen uh, one granted for a misdemeanor possession. So this could really make a difference uh, in the state uh, if we can get those folks on board uh, with the medical uh, freedom aspect and. Uh, understand I'm a disabled veteran, you know, I, I have to use this substance in lieu of alcohol. I have to use this in, in yes. lieu of opioids and benzodiazepines. And would you rather me be alcoholed up and dying from opioids and benzos? And I think that the government would rather have that. Um, yes. But I'm not having that. And so that's why I'm standing up. And, and I said, you know what, you know, they offered me some some minor time and some diversion on on this. And it's all in fees and fines. They just want their money. And, uh, you know, to bring the fight back and to bring it in front of my peers and let them be the judge of me, uh, six of my peers be the judge of me um, for whatever I'm suspected of, of doing in this situation. So let them be the judge. Let them hear the facts. Let them uh, understand what their ability is. And here in the state of Indiana, Article 1, Section 19, the jury uh, shall be the the judge of the of, of the facts and the law. It's in our constitution. If you if you read that, the jury uh, we have a nullification um, uh, section there for that specifically in our state constitution. And these folks have the power to nullify this as well. That's why uh, when you were talking about this, that's what my mind went to was how can we have the conversation around jury nullification? Cause so many people aren't aware of it. I need to have like a couple shows on that. So thank you for that. Um, but you know, how do we, how do we get people educated on jury nullification? Because it's so random who gets elected to be able to have those conversations. Of course, any courthouse, if you mention jury nullification outside the courthouse, they're throwing you in jail. We've seen the, and we're working people. on pamphlets. We're working on information that we can uh, give out and hand out or, point people to the right directions for those resources to have little palm cards to have those things to go uh, out to these locations and give them to people going into the courthouse so they know their rights and these are constitutional rights here in the state so uh, to be to be uh, denied the ability to show people parts of the constitution um, that shouldn't be allowed um, they should be allowed to be able to show folks exactly what their rights are as a juror and a citizen if they're called to jury yes yes absolutely um well Thank you so much, William. Today was 
far better than I could have ever expected. I have learned so much from you, from your wisdom, from your experiences and everything else. Um, I, I want to thank you so much for, for taking the time to coming on here and hanging out with me today. Well, thank you so much for having me and giving me this opportunity and, and you're doing such a great job uh, helping spread the message of liberty and, and, you know, we need to continue doing this and we need to continue uh, pushing that, that message of liberty across the board and across the United States. So thank you for what you do too every day. Hey, thank you so much. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and wrap everything up over here and then um, I'll see you in a minute. All right. All right. All right. Holy smokes. I've learned a lot. I hope you guys have been able to get a good bit of information in that as well. I'm so excited um, to have had that opportunity. And so as William uh, had shared, you know, you guys can go find out more on libertyoffense.org. Get plugged in. If you're in Indiana, get plugged into those events. Go step out there. Go help change hearts and minds. Help us win on this issue. We can be the difference. We have the capacity. We have the capability. We have hearts. We have blood flowing and we can put that to good use so make sure you guys are out there if you guys are in indiana do that if you guys are not find ways to learn as much as you can about william henry his path his and, and learn from his experiences and learn from what he's done replicate that in your own communities in your state get get involved get engaged and we can win this war on drugs um because the drugs have already won now it's the time for the people to to benefit from that winning <clears throat> But with that, um, we do have the double header coming up tonight. So tonight, 8 p.m., I will be back with you guys once again. Um, we're going to be learning about how to pivot somebody in a conversation to take them away from their own biases and to actually hear what you're saying, something that we don't see a lot from the Republicans. So make sure you guys are tuning back in here tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. And then next week, Tuesday, you've got Matt and Spike running in with Muddy Waters of Freedom. They're going to be traversing those muddied waters together, and it's always one hell of a show. Make sure you guys are tuning in for that. Wednesday night, Spike Cohen, my fellow Americans, and Thursday night, the writer's block with Matt Wright. All those will be at 8-ish p.m. Eastern, so make sure you guys don't miss out on that. And then next next Friday, I'll be back again, 2 p.m. Hope you guys all have an amazing day, an amazing night, and I'll see you guys tonight at 8 p.m. If not, I hope you guys have a great weekend, and I'll see you guys here soon. Be good, be well.